Welcome to the DevReady Podcast, where we're helping non-techs build better tech. Uh, today, we're joined once again by Jeremy Streeton uh, from Business Legal Lifecycle. Um, Jeremy joined us on episode 54, talking about the product development process that he'd gone through um, around Business Legal Lifecycle. Today, he's here just to share a little bit more about some educational pieces for people listening in to understand their legal uh, requirements and some things they might want to consider and think about. Jeremy, thanks again for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Andrew and Anthony. It's, it's a pleasure to be back. It is. It's, it's been every year. Um, time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so last time we spoke a bit more about um, the development of what you've been putting together. Um, mm. Today, we want to dig in a bit more around how we might be able to help people think about their legal um, requirements and things they need to consider. Tell us a bit about what you've been pulling together over the past 12 months, Jeremy. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. So uh, what, what we've put together is, is an education course and platform for business owners to really understand what it is they need to do in their business from a legal perspective, why they need to do it, and really give them the knowledge. Because what we found was that people, that they took our tests and they found you know, what they needed to do, but they didn't really understand what that all of that meant, and they didn't understand why they needed to take those certain legal steps. They didn't understand the why behind it. So we developed uh, this education course, which uh, goes through each of the phases. It has videos and workbooks and really works you through understanding what you need to do. And, and we really came to, we, we, we really did it because you can understand the law without a law degree. Uh, and you, know, you, you probably you need a law degree to, to implement a lot of it, but you can understand why you need to do things. So we wanted to educate business owners on the why and the what so that they could then work with their lawyer on the how and, and, and get the work done. I think why is always important, isn't it? Um, yeah, we can be told to do X, Y, Z, but if there's no real meaning behind it and um, ramifications as to not doing it, some things that people need to understand, I think, yeah, it makes a big pivotal difference. In terms of um, helping our listeners out there, in terms of they're, they're in business, they're building products, what are a couple of things that you, know, you may want them to consider if they would go into a program like this just to get a little bit more learning and depth around their legal requirements? For me, it's around, yeah, when you're learning something and you're educating yourself, you're growing and you're finding out more and more information. And, you know, but, you know on the last podcast, we, we talked about, you know, the, the real frustration people have with lawyers. Uh, you know, I'm still a lawyer, so I can say we, <laughs> and I'll learn this. We, we can be difficult to deal with. People don't like people don't like dealing with us. They see us as as cost, not an investment. And yet we use big words that people think, mm -hmm. Yeah, sounds really fancy and people don't know what they mean. So, that, so it becomes quite intimidating. And so the, the purpose of educating them is, is or educating a business owner is so they can really realize that it's really not that hard for them to understand the, the broad level concepts mm -hmm. and they can really understand from there well, you know, what do they actually need to go and do? So uh, it's really around that really debunking the myth that law is a complicated pursuit where we have to, um, you know, have, have our lawyer explain everything to us. Well, no, we can understand what we need to do first and then we can uh, be empowered to get the right decision and make that decision going forward because, you know, so many people, and I know we talked to this on the last one, but so many people take that reactive approach to the, their legal risks. They're mm. constantly waiting till a problem arises mm -hmm. and then looking to um, you know, solve that problem 
uh, you know, after it arises. And, you know, it, I've seen it multiple times and, you know, where, where it's just cost millions of dollars of, of people's money, of other people's money, that they could have just solved if they just learned something. <laughs> and they, mm. just, they just moved forward and, and understood what they were doing before they went ahead and made, made um, a decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, I think, I think it's, it's similar when you're working. We're coming from a tech perspective. We, mm. we can have that big words, big jargon. People can get a little bit confused. Um, so I feel like um, illegals in its own basket as well, uh, where yeah, it can be a little bit um, confronting, especially when you look at big contracts and um, having to read through those. Just for an example, it's yeah, can be a bit of work. I put my little legal hat on sometimes <laughs> um, and dig in, but yeah, it's just not you don't know everything unless um, you dig in and actually educate yourself. I think yeah, that's an important piece. What type of people are you finding um, are spending a bit of time investing into a program like this? So, so what we're finding, Andrew, is people who are. <laughs> Honestly, it's people who are looking to exit their business in, you know, or, or they're looking at building a business that they can exit because they see the need to build something that is a saleable asset. And so they, they want to look through the legal risks and they want to reduce those risks. It does work for everyone, but that's where we're seeing the most traction is, is around, um, you know, with, uh, you know, through coaches and, and people like that who have clients who need to know what they need to put in place. Uh, I, I can't remember whether we spoke about it on the, on the last show, but you know, one of the goals of the life cycle is around helping people to build their business to become a saleable asset. Because mm. one of the, the, the things that a lot of people don't realize is that when you decide that you want to sell your business, on average, you're about two years away from actually having the business in a way that you can sell it. Just from legal problems, um, you know, things that aren't, that aren't, um, um, you know, um, risks that, are, that haven't been solved, mm-hmm. uh, different different aspects of the business. That, that's the average is two years. So that means some are ready in six months, some, you know, take longer than two years. And so, you know, those people are coming to us and, and you know, they're coming to us and, and I want to sell my business in, in two to five years. What do I need to do to, mm-hmm. to really build out my business? Uh, mm-hmm. And that, that, that's who we're seeing at the moment, but we'd love to see more people in the, you know, People who have been, where, where I really targeted it is people have been in business for a year or two, mm-hmm. uh, a bit like the test. It's you've, you've been in business, you've made some mistakes, you realize you don't know everything because let's face it, we all think we know everything when we yeah, start. We sure do. just uh, walking around, making it up as they go go along. That's uh, the reality when you've been in the space for a while. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. I mean, I, I, I did that. I, I thought I knew everything and mm. was quickly humbled <laughs> when, mm-hmm. when, when I did that. Yeah. And I think that... Um, yeah, it's really built for that, that person who's been in business for a couple of years, mm-hmm. wants to know more, wants to educate themselves uh, and, and so they can have a better conversation with their, their legal advisors. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a, there's a bit of a gap between who's getting on there and who we want to get on there and that's part of the journey and, and why mm-hmm. I love doing podcasts like, like um, Dev Ready where we can actually talk it out and, and get into the, to, you know, talk to people who are actually in that space and who, who, who could um, use what we've developed to, to help build build great businesses. So it wouldn't be like the first stage startups, the ones that at least got some customers or something at the door running around a little bit and then, all right, you're building it to either sell it or run it long-term. So if you're going to sell it, get the right structures in place and cover off all the, check all the boxes that you <laughs> advise that they need to cover because of the things that ain't know. Absolutely. And, and you know, it, I mean, it does work for startups. It's just, you know, what I found is it's, it's just not as much... Um, 
yeah, they're busy doing other things, as it were. Uh, the, other, the other thing to remember too is even if you are building a business that you want to uh, work for the rest of your life, right? Just know two things. One, that could change very easily. You know, mm. I, I have my law firm and if you told me that I'd be doing this 10 years or 11 years after starting it, I would have laughed at you, but it did. I did change. And two, at some point you will exit your business, whether it be by choice or something happens to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the, the most tragic things that I see as a lawyer is where someone's built a really good business put all their effort and then they get sick and they can't work anymore. And it's so reliant upon them. They haven't, you know, they haven't reduced the risks that the value that they could have got, you know, could be very high, but, mm. but it ends up being very low because they uh, haven't put those, you will haven't plugged those legal risks. So mm. it's important to do it, whether, whether you're looking at exiting in two years, five years, 10 years, or in 50 years. Um, and a lot of people say to me, oh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm just going to be doing this for the rest of my life. It's like, we. Well, Number one, you probably won't. But number two, you, you know, at some point you will exit. So you need to you need to um, solve that problem as quickly as you can. I think um, that's that's always an interesting take. Doing it for the rest of your life, or, yeah. If the industry exists in for the rest of your life, would be an interesting. One. Um, but it's always evolving and everything's changing. And we see it all the time. So even the way we do business is very different to what it used to be three or four years ago, um, even two years ago. So and that's going to change again and again and again. Because if you looking to keep up or even move ahead of the thinking and you're being strategic about it, it's always going to evolve. It might be the same business, but the operation could change, which means risks change. Um, so these are things you do consider. I love the fact that uh, you said it takes two years on average to exit. What are some of the like, the things that you find people get wrong or don't even think about that puts them in that position? I wouldn't have expected yeah. that time. <laughs> Yeah, that's a long time. <laughs> yeah. uh, so probably the, the main thing is, and, and what I'm talking about for the two years is it's really around having a saleable business that you can actually get a good return on your on your sale. So you, you could sell a business tomorrow and you mm. get a, a lower price than if you really um, do all this work and, and put it in place. So it's not that you can't exit. It's just that you're not going to get a great return on the on the effort you've put in. So just sorry, I, I didn't make that clear before, but that, that's really what I'm yeah. talking about. Oh, that's important. Um, I think if you're going to exit, you want to get the maximum that you can for the, the asset that you've built over time. And we all, exactly. as business owners, are investing quite a bit of time. Um, and at some point, maybe the exit makes sense to business owners. So getting there at a point where you're, you're happy, content, and does really well, I think that's um, paramount. So it's a really good conversation. Yeah, so mm. so probably the main one, um, Andrew and Anthony, is around the agreements. So people have uh, agreements with their suppliers, their clients, their team members. And most of the time, those aren't documented in any way. And what happens with those agreements when they're not documented is everyone has their own opinion. It's like, if, yeah, there's the old legal saying that if, if eight people see a, a car accident, there'll be eight different views. There'll probably be about 10 different views, actually, as to what actually happened at the end of the day, right? Because we all see our world, the, the world around us, with our own perceptions. We filter it through, through all our experiences and all the rest of that. So the main thing that we see people get wrong is not documenting their agreements, whether it be with their, with their suppliers so that they actually understand and they're getting the best price, but also that they've got the best, you know, a, a really solid relationship with their customers and clients, not actually documenting what the agreement is uh, and with their employees as well. So having team members who don't have contracts that aren't properly protecting the business. You know, I was just, I, I was just talking yesterday with a mate of mine um, who he bought an air conditioning business a year ago. And when he bought the business, there was a team of 10 employees. And the owner was getting out to retire from a retail air conditioning and store business 
and going to do a, um, a wholesale business. And they thought, great, we've got these 10 employees. There were no contracts, right? And he, um, they all quit as soon as he took over. And, when it's, and, and including, I think, half of them went and started their own business because there was no agreement in place. And, they, and you know, we told them to get agreements. We, we went through that and, and they were like, no, no, it's all good. It's all good. And then, and then they didn't have agreements. And so, yeah, for the last year, that business has just not done what it could do. It hasn't reached its potential because, yeah, they didn't have good agreements in place to, to really document those things. Uh, and, and so, so there's lots of examples like that that we can go through where, uh, and probably the biggest one are client agreements, you know, like actually you know, what you engage with your clients. Now for a retail shop or someone who just engages people, um, you know, on an ad hoc basis, that doesn't really apply, but anyone where you've got clients for the real value of your business, you need to have proper agreements with them that spell out the terms of the relationship because yeah, you make the agreement when you start. And and I get it. When you start business, you're super excited. You want to get in there and do the work. You want to get in there and and yeah, get the money Just in. Just getting a like, getting a client or two is a is a, is a big tick at the early stages. It's the last thing you think about. <laughs> you're not thinking about it. Yeah, that's all you're chasing. Oh, thought of T's crossed, yeah. Mm. Yeah, the last thing you're thinking of is getting a, a lawyer to draft an agreement, mm. right? <laughs> I get that. But, um and, and so you, you want to get in there and do that as quickly as you can though, because the clients are the assets of your business. You know, the, the clients are the ones who pay your bills so that you can pay your team and they're the real value of the business. So, you you know, I get the, the you know, I've been there, you know, multiple times where you just want to get in and do the work. Uh, it's just about, uh, you know, really solidifying those agreements. So it's really understanding that, um, you know, and it's really understanding too that, you know, that saying that you hear often, you know, agreement's not worth the paper it's written on. Um, mm. That's true if you just get any old sort of agreement and you download it off the internet or you copy someone else's agreement, if you actually do it properly, it's 100% worth the paper it's written on and it's 100% worthwhile doing. So I think that that's probably the biggest area. If, if I could you know, get a message over to the listeners, it's like make sure that you document your agreements of, of what you understand it to be and make sure the other side understands what it, what it, what it is and really understand what what that is. And so in the, in the education course, we, I go through all the major agreements, whether that be agreements with business partners, whether that be agreements with team members, clients, suppliers. And I, and I spell out what are the key um, elements of those agreements that you need to make sure that you cover to protect yourself. And, and that's all about empowering you to say, okay, I'm going to enter an agreement with a new supplier. What does that need to look like? What are the, what are the things that I need to do to then go and build, build that um, agreement out? So it gives people the structure and the things to consider within an agreement. I think yeah, one of the things you raised was um, downloading them offline. I used to do that when we started. That's that's what everyone does. Go online, download something, that will do. Um, but as you get a bit more uh, adverse or into bigger agreements and business changes, you probably, yeah, a lawyer's very... That's once another poor. lawyer comes in on the other side. <laughs> yeah. I think that's when we had to yeah, let one that's in. When, yeah, that's when you start thinking, oh, shit, we're going to get someone to help us because, yeah, you don't want to be uh, playing lawyer at the other end when you're dealing with uh, a lawyer at the other end. So um, it's interesting. Depends on the type of business you're in, right? But the type of people we are speaking to, the value is definitely in the clients and definitely in the agreements. So... Mm tech businesses, um, SaaS type businesses where data is important, all these things can add significant value to a business depending on the types of agreements, T's and C's, et cetera, that you have around the organization. So um, definitely poignant in this space. It's not a retail shop where people are just buying a product. Um, I think it's yeah, definitely important for people to think about. 
Mm, absolutely it is and it, it becomes crucial for for, for everyone and, and really is around building those assets so that if you do have to sell um, then you know you get the maximum price that you can at the time mm-hmm. but i think um even having those agreements in play protects you in the business because yes mm. client agreements are very important and in, like you said employee agreements ip ownership is important especially if you're building technology products and um, those sort of areas because yeah you don't want to be in a position where um, your employee owns the code technically because you haven't got an agreement assigning it over to the business um, some failures that probably people made a long time ago a lot more people are aware of these things now that the person mm-hmm. that write the code actually owns the code even though you paid them if you don't assign it over then they technically own it so and that happens i've seen it happen with um providers providing to other clients and then they don't actually have a code base um yeah so these things very important in this space yeah, absolutely, and and it's it's such an easy thing to to to, re- uh, to fix. And you know, we talked about downloading agreements off the internet. If you're going to do that, and you're in Australia, uh, where where we are, if it's got US law referred into it, don't use it. <laughs> the amount of times that I've had people come to me with an agreement that refers to Nevada law or Mississippi law or you know Massachusetts law or something like that, it scares me because yeah, yeah. if you want to try and enforce that, you better be prepared to get on a plane um, <laughs> and, and, um, and enforce it in the courts over there. So, Are there any um, yeah. like startup agreements or like starting agreements you can get from the government? I know there are some some of them, but I don't know what they cover though. Um, not really. No? Okay. Um, the, the, when you start a company, you you generally get a constitution, which is the agreement with the with the company. There there are some. If you if you look, I know that like with the Victorian, I think it's the Department of Fair Trade. You can get like a debt collection procedure, so to, to help you actually recover um, the fund, you know, funds from your clients. Uh, I'm not aware of other ones where they actually give you too many agreements. Like they probably give you, um, yeah, startup, yeah, like basic template like guidelines and stuff. That you yeah, can use. Um, but again, they're not they're not customized for use. But they would work to start off with, and you know, you start prove out the fact that your business is actually going to be viable. You know, like actually pr- prove that first, and then you can uh, go down the route of um, getting proper legal uh, agreements. I just wouldn't leave it very late. And, and as you said before, Andrew, you know, this is good advice, even if you're going to continue in the business going forward, because you know, if 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 you've got a misunderstanding with someone. Uh, from the beginning, and that could that you might not find out about that for two or three years, and then uh, you know it's he said she said and or he said he said whatever, and um, and then you 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 end up in fights, and the only people who win are lawyers in that situation. So you're better yeah. off documenting it at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, you, from a, a startup world and people that are building new product ideas, it's the one of the last things I think about. Um, yeah, because. Even structuring the way your your company is, and I'm thinking about that before you get to a point of thinking about exits important. So there's a number of areas there. Do you provide starting bases for people to start from, or how does it work with the course? Is it context, or do they also get um, some sort of template structures that they can work from, or work with their lawyers from? So the templates they get are the information about what needs to go into the agreements. I don't want to give agreements because I think that there's a, there'd be a tendency just to use those agreements and just rely mm-hmm. upon those. Yeah. Um, and so I'm very big on the, you can definitely understand it. And in the future, mm-hmm. I, and I'm sure, I know we talked about this in, in our in our last podcast, I see developing those agreements once tech gets you know cost effective enough um, you know and, and actually developing the agreements but I don't like it now because it's just you know fill in the blank a kind of fill in the blank exercise 
And I think the tech's there, but it's just, it's super expensive, as you would know. So, uh, yeah, that, that will come down over time. So the, in the education course, we, we give you the outline of the things that you need to put into those agreements. I'm very much of the view, and I've seen it time and time again, where you do just need to go to the lawyer and not just rely upon that sh you know, that agreement that you download off the internet. It just it causes too many problems. And if you if you can't you know if you can't find a good lawyer, we can actually refer you to lawyers. We have a network of lawyers as well, um, and people who will treat everyone right. Uh, so you know, I do get that people don't like dealing with us. I get it. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but there are a lot, there, but there are lots of um, of good people out there who can help business owners and, and do a very good job of it and, and for a cost-effective um, you know, rate as well. Yep, got it. Yeah, I, I do understand that every, um, every business is different and you need to think about certain topics in an agreement. Um, yeah, so a way I approached it back in the day was offline, online, grab some stuff, um, use those for the, and that's what everyone probably does, use those for a period of time, then at a point you get questions. And then when those questions come, you don't know how to answer them. So then the lawyer's needed. <laughs> and then you start working with a lawyer and all of a sudden you're starting to establish your own agreements at a time. That's generally what most people do, um, which can set you up for a bit of a few challenges early on, um, but hopefully it doesn't impact the business too much. But yeah, um, having your own T's and C's, especially stuff you can actually take and a customer will accept um, is, is also important. What's your... Um, What's your take on when you're working with from a, a more of a, a B, B2B play service areas, like some of our listeners would be bigger SaaS providers providing bigger contracts. Generally, what I found in this sector is you've got a standard contract and then you're basically negotiating every single contract at a B2B level with the, the lawyer that's at the other end. How do you approach that? What do you generally advise there? I think that, uh, that that's exactly the right approach is to have your standard agreement of what you want. Uh, some people will just accept that. A lot of people won't though. And that's good. That I think it's actually a good thing when people don't just sign an agreement. Uh, you know, like, think about it when you go and get your car serviced and you, you sign that bit of paper and no one ever reads it. If you've actually got someone reading through, especially you know, in software development, uh, you know, you've got someone reading through, understanding all of the different aspects of, of what's going on, you'll actually have a better agreement. And so whilst it might cost a bit of money, it, that's actually an investment going forward. So I think the right approach is have the standard agreement that you can use, that is your suggestion, that, and that's really your best case scenario, right? And then when they come back to you, then you want to negotiate what the yeah, what, 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 what the clauses mean and how it's actually going to work. And that actually builds a really good working relationship because everyone understands where everyone else is coming from. And also, you know, any disagreements are usually ironed down in that process. Are you going to get it right 100% of the time? No, but you'll get you know, 95 to 99% of the way there and that will solve a lot of the problems um, going forward. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Good feedback. Yeah, because... It makes everything clear. And I find that you learn in those mm. conversations too because uh, what the other side, which is the client, what they're expecting. Um, and then you think, okay, that's probably a fairer approach. And then you might mold your agreement to be a bit fairer because everyone's on it. Every lawyer's working for their client, right? So they're putting the best foot forward for the client. But yeah, I think a balanced agreements are important too, just so everyone's sort of in a really good sitting because you are entering a business relationship and you're, you're serving people in the end. The agreement um, is only used generally if something goes wrong. So, um, and that's, I think it's important that everyone understands that you're working into a relationship to provide good service. Everyone's got 
generally got good intentions. Most people do. Um, and that's there is something doesn't go to plan and it can be referred back to. So I think that's, I think it's a good little area for people to understand. It might be something I might jump on and have a look at actually. Um, cause there's always things you can learn and there's always gaps that you have no real domain knowledge or expertise in. Uh, you pick it up as you go, but I think that's a good little package for people to start thinking about. Absolutely. And yeah, and I think it's, it's, you know, just one little take on that. Um, one lawyer I know refers to when he does up a contract, he refers to it as a disagreement. Uh, so it's, yeah, what, what are we going to do if we disagree? <laughs> and so that, that, that's another way of, of framing it that really mm -hmm. tells you what the agreement um, should be dealing with and, and how it helps you. Yeah, that I makes think sense. that's the only time it's, they're ever really used. Mm. After that first signing, you don't really look at them ever again unless something actually shit hits the fan really <laughs> exactly so and so you want to have the process in place so that if the shit does hit the fan then you're ready to, to, to go up to go ahead with it mm -hmm. makes sense if anyone wants to find out about the course how do i get access what can we do to share it out jeremy yeah um thanks uh, thanks as a thank you for having me on we've we've developed another page if listeners from of the first episode remember we did the same um if if you go to businesslegallifecycle.com slash dev ready 22 we're recording this in 22. Uh, they can go if they if they want to sign up to the the course. You can either so the life cycle is in 13 phases. You can either sign up for the whole course and you get access to that for a year, or you can sign up for a phase and you get access to that for two months. Either one, either way you go. If you do that, uh, we'll give you a free business legal life cycle assessment um, to help you identify the um, yeah the phases and what's missing in your business as well, so that you can learn more about that. And that's normally ninety seven dollars. But as a thank you for having us on on the show, uh, I'll, I'll throw that in for free for your for your listeners if they go in there. There's a little bit of a procedure they've got to you know sign up and then email us and we'll we'll send that through so we can um, you know make sure they they understand what their legal risks are and um, and then they can learn how to how to solve those risks and, and really help themselves move forward. Oh, thanks, Jeremy. I think um, anyone that's listening, it's a boring area. You might think it is, but it's important too. So it's one area of business that needs to be looked at. So um, it is in the list of um, legal is in the list of the accounting for some people. It's like, oh, it's just a number, but in the end, it needs to be looked at and done properly um, to best serve your team, your business, your partners, and your clients. So I think it's yeah a good place to start by the sound of it for people that need a bit more of an uplift in terms of their legal now. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing. And we'll share it all across in the show notes as we share out the podcast, Jeremy. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you.